Mortis Maledictum is a cosmic dark fantasy story, and as such may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Now, enjoy the show. Here you are again, prepared to turn the page. You know the risk and know the danger. Let us begin. Sammy, run. Aunt Aggie's voice cut through the haze like a knife. It snapped my focus back into the present. Even still, it took a moment to remember what was happening. We were tearing through the woods near our farm, but why? Something, or someone, was chasing us. The next second, it all came flooding back. The Wraithwind had come to Lonely Valley because of the void left when Mama banished the Queen. Jim White, the undead scourge to my family and so many others for countless generations, had come looking for help. Together, and with my Aunt Agatha's help, we had gotten rid of the Wraithwind by bringing the Queen back to fill the void. But to do it, I had pushed Jim into the Briarstag's open grave and buried him. I didn't feel any remorse for what I had done. He was the reason this whole madness had started in the first place. I stumbled on a root that had caught my foot and tasted the soft, leafy soil as I tumbled. I scratched my hands trying to stop the fall, but before I could get back up and dust myself off, Mom and Agatha were there. My other aunts, Lindy and Carol, were with us too. I didn't know if it was the shock of hitting the ground or Agatha's words shaking off my haze, but the last pieces finally clicked into place in my head. Mama, Aunt Lindy, and Aunt Carol had banished the queen and her monstrous pet, the Briar Stag, to rescue my little brother John. But in doing so, they banished themselves too. When we brought them back, the queen looked at us with such open hatred. We all knew what was coming next. She simply turned to the Briar Stag and muttered a single, resonating word. Kill. In our coven, Lindy and Carol didn't have much in the way of power. But the twin witches knew defensive charms so well they might as well have been tattooed on their skin. They placed a fast ward on the clearing where the banishment and subsequent summoning occurred, which kept the queen and the stag inside while we ran. It wouldn't last, but for a few desperate minutes, we needed every second we could get. Mama had grabbed my hand and pulled me along, and together the five of us took off for the Holloway farm, where each of us had prayed the heavy wards our great-grandmama laid would hold the darkness back. What we didn't count on was the queen's influence seeping out even though her physical body was remained trapped in the glade. She raised a powerful miasma that made my head buzz like a static on a television screen tuned to the wrong channel. That was what had stopped me cold and what slowed my steps and made my legs heavy. Mama held my hand again and dragged me forward. We finally cleared the woodland and raced across the last few hundred yards to the porch. I turned then and saw Aunt Aggie still out in the grass. She had pulled out a long golden chain from somewhere and swung it into the long arcs above her head. I didn't know what she was doing until the stag emerged from the woodline a few seconds later. It reared back and charged at Aggie, but my aunt didn't flinch. She let loose with the chain which stretched and split in midair. It formed a shimmering metallic net which wrapped around the stag's antlers and caught its legs all at the same time. The beast stumbled, and a very human shriek of outrage bellowed out from somewhere inside it. Agatha turned back to us and raced up the porch. That won't hold for long.
Sammy didn't have the meager power the twins did, and she knew it was only a matter of time before she would have to step up in the coven. But she didn't have best experience either. I didn't want this life, and I had done my best to leave it behind when I did. Leaving my sisters those years ago had been one of the hardest things I had ever done in my life. But I couldn't just sit around and wait for some unknown danger to waltz in and destroy us. My self-made exile had all ended when Sammy had come to find me, bringing that terror, Jim White, with her. Now, I was back in the line of fire with him. And when the stag freed itself from the wards Lindy and Carol had cast, I knew I had to do something. I threw my net over it, nullifying its power, even if only for a while. And we went inside to try to come up with a plan to survive the inevitable. Why in the immortal soil did you piss off a guardian? Don't talk to me that way, Aggie. You don't know what it's been like. You left, remember? Beth's voice was sharp and cold. Something had hardened in her soul. She wasn't the same Beth Holloway I'd known when I left. It was like my sister was gone. And I didn't know the woman standing in the skin in front of me. That's right. I left. But if you were handling it, why'd Sammy have to come find me, hmm? Samantha would have been just fine. We did what we had to do. We got rid of the queen and the bride stag. Lonely Valley would have been safe once the wind died down. I scoffed, which just pissed Beth off even more. She threw her hands up and stomped off into the kitchen. She didn't know what the wraith wind would have done to this place. Sure, it would have died off eventually. But what would have been left? I knew that even if Sammy and little John survived, they wouldn't have been in any condition to take care of the valley from whatever decided to move in next. What in the world? Lindy asked, her shock lingering in the air like the echoes of the sound. I didn't know what had happened, but it sounded like it came in from the back of the house. I was close. It was outside. The stag had broken free and decided to take its anger out on the barn. It had ripped the two 20-foot-high doors clean from the rail. It had gone inside, and debris flew out the newly opened doorways as it thrashed the farm storage. I realized too late the stag wasn't acting solely out of anger, but as a distraction. Sammy collapsed to the soft carpet in the hallway, and I spun to see Beth running over to her. She cradled her head, but Sammy's eyes were closed. Then, in a breathy whine, the queen spoke through Sammy's lips. You stole from me, from my place. You insulted my guardianship in this world and risked breaking our reality with your petty feud with my stag. Now, I will remove you. You can't remove us. We're attuned to your land, and you wouldn't hurt your own land. Beth looked down at her daughter, pain across her face, but words still as cold as ever. I will hurt what I wish. Your lives mean nothing to me, and I will replace you. The lives of those who live in lonely mean very little, but still more than yours. I will replace them all. We will fight you tooth and nail, but it doesn't have to end that way. The Wraithwind stole your teeth and claws. It turned them from you and corrupted them. I bet you want that threat purged, and we are willing to do that just like our coven did with Jim White. 
but for that we would be even. You ask for a truce between us? Yes. Interesting. I will take my vengeance on this valley unless you clear out the vestiges of the wind and remove an intruder in my domain. You will do these things for me, or I will wipe out this town and start over as a wilderness. I think it will only take a handful of years before this valley attracts a new stock of chattel for my children. Beth almost snapped a reply I was sure to be filled with hate and equally useless in solving the problem. I cut her off. We'll do it. What is the invader? Sammy's eyes remained closed, but her head tilted in my direction as though regarding me for the first time. Aw, tiny Agatha came home, did she? I thought I recognized you, but you witches all tend to look the same to me. I assume netting my stag was your doing? Beth mouthed the words to me. What are you doing? I just shook my head and held a finger to my lips. I stopped your stag, and I cast the work in that put Jim White in the grave. You may not think much of us, if you think of us at all. But if you try and wipe out Lonely, we will become a very prickly thorn in your side. Oh, tiny Agatha. I made the thorns, and the vines, and the brush, and the claws and teeth that stalk through it. I will outlast a little thorn. Beth had had enough posturing. Sammy still lay limp in her lap, and the queen still spoke through her. Enough. We will do it. Kill the invader and the corrupted children, and then you may have your truce. Until that time, know that I have Sammy Holloway's life in my hands. She breathed in my power, and she is mine to do with as I wish. If you fail in this task, the first life I take will be hers. Before we could speak another word, Sammy went limp again for a moment, and then her eyes flitted open. M-Mama... What's going on? Crash came from the building to our left. A man looked out among a large contingent of trash bags and dented metal cans. What in the hell's- Sir? What happened? Beth did her best to put on a show of calm authority, but I knew she was utterly terrified about what had happened to Sammy. I touched her arm and tried to reassure her and tell her I had this one. We had been out looking through Lonely all morning for any of the remaining beasts from the Wraithwind to fulfill part of the bargain with the Queen. I had thought we were nearly done when the crash had drawn our attention. It was like a snake, but faster. It was barely three in the afternoon, and this man slurred his words like he had been drinking since nine in the morning. He clambered up out of the bags and swayed back and forth. The man put one hand up to his head rubbing his eyes, and a look of complete shock clear on his face. Beth, go make sure he's okay. I'll track this thing down. She nodded, but the lines in her face made everything look contorted and grim. It had been a long day, and she knew as well as I did that a snake was exactly like the invader we were looking for. I needed to be careful, but at the end of the day, Beth needed to get home to Sammy and Little John. I gripped my rod inside my jacket for look and reassurance, and then took off around the side of the building. I couldn't see the creature, but I could make out its path clear enough. There was a trail of dark, slimy liquid slithering down the alleyway. Ned pushed trash and boxes out of the way. The trail ended at a sewer grate, 
It's never easy, is it? I didn't particularly enjoy tight spaces. Especially ones I knew had monsters in them. But there just wasn't any other way. I had to kill this thing or send it packing. And the rest of the family had their hands full. I took out the rod and pushed my power through it. Feeling it thrum against the thread of my essence. Muttering a small mantra, I released the held power, shrouding myself in defensive energy. The grate was already open from the snake's descent, and I quickly swung my legs over the edge and slipped down onto the oily metal ladder bolted to the wall. Climbing down in silence, I reached the bottom and noticed just how dark it was down there and how badly it smelled. It was a mixture of rotten food and mold. I tried not to think about what I was walking through, but I held up the flashlight I was smart enough to have in a pocket. It was a pen light, just small enough to fit in my undersized pockets. Never really did understand why women's clothes hated pockets, but it was too late to put on a different pair of pants. I'm sure there was a metaphor in there somewhere about the situation I was in, but I didn't have time to think about it. I swung the small light left and right, looking at the passageway in the sewer, in both directions for some sign of the snake. The glow was weak, and it didn't help nearly enough. So instead, I reached within myself and felt for the creature. I pushed out with my power and sent it racing down the sewer lines, making a mental map at the same time. A voice thudded in my head. It was a hiss and a rumble together, layered over an ancient power. Hi. Do you pursue me, little witch? I answered instinctively, with raw emotion and shock at the creature's ability and intelligence. If snakes could laugh, I think that would have been its response. You have the power to see me, and yet do not comprehend what I am. You are a plant instrument for your ancestral inheritance. Voice, although in my head, still gave me information, and my power had latched onto the creature. I took off down the sewer passage in its direction. My flashlight bobbed around as I moved, and its weak light barely provided me enough to see where I was going. Twice, I almost tripped over various decaying things laying across the center of the tunnel. What are you? I am the offspring of Unkatakila. Your race has called me the terror in decades past. They have tried to drive me away, but I have no care for where you draw your imaginary territory. Do not dictate my hunting grounds. I have heard of you. There are legends about you. Why are you in Lonely Valley? I was buying time and hardening my mental defenses to ward my mind against any potential assault. The thing was close now, but a major obstacle remained. Rounding the last corner in the sewer, I finally saw it with my own eyes. The thing my reach had told me was there, but seeing it removed all doubt. The sewer ended abruptly, and the ground became slick natural rock. 
The floor sloped down onto black pool of water. Small ripples bounced along the surface from a stalactite driven from the ceiling. This flooded tunnel left the sewers behind and surfaced into ancient caverns. Tennessee was filled with these caves, and this one provided the terror with a perfect lair. I thought about just how scared I was to enter that dark water with a giant snake on the other side. But then I thought about what the queen had said, and about Sammy. Clicking the pen light on and off a few times nervously, I made up my mind and steeled my resolve. The light was weak, but it was waterproof. I'd be able to see enough. I knew how far it was until the next section with air and tried to calculate if I could swim the distance in time. Finally, with as deep a breath as I could hold, I waded into the dark water. It was cold, but not frigid, and there was thick algae just under the surface. As I pushed through that layer, the water thinned out, and I reached back out with the energy my mother gave me and felt the edges of the tunnel. Shining my flashlight forward, I kicked my legs as hard as I could and swam in the direction of the nearest air pocket. My vision began to narrow, and I felt my pulse pumping in my head when I reached the surface. There was only enough air for one single inhalation, and I took it in greedily before diving back down towards the next pocket. I swam through the murk for several hundred yards until I finally found a dry tunnel. Spitting, sputtering, and exhausted, I climbed out of the water and laid on my back, gasping for air. I felt a chuckle in my mind. A hiss came from the darkness off to my right at the same time. Oh, aren't you a delicious fish? (laughs) During my exertions, I couldn't keep monitoring where the beast was, and all my efforts had been on locating the next breath of air. Apparently it had found me, or else laid in wait for its dinner to walk right to the monster's front door. I saw something move just at the edge of my flashlight's tiny beam. It was something enormous, but nearly invisible. I reached out with my sight instead and was almost floored with the sheer size and power of the being coiled up in the corner of the cavern. I recognized the creature as one of the great serpents of the Dakotas. What was it doing here, I didn't know. There was a book in the farm study I'd read once many years ago. It talked about the ancient snakes, the Unctii, I thought. It had been so long ago, I couldn't remember. The thing moved again, and it brought me back to the present. I needed any information I could conjure up about it or its vulnerabilities, but I had to live long enough to remember. Come here, little fish. I haven't eaten a witch in a hundred years. Never have I eaten one who could swim as you do sprang at me faster than lightning, and only the defensive power I had woven about myself earlier staved off the brutal attack. The pressure in the cavern tripled as the Eldritch Shield turned the snake's kinetic force into heat and energy, and my head swam. I scrambled out of the center and put my back to one sloping wall, hoping it would limit how it could attack because of its sheer size. As expected, the thing recovered and sprang at me again, 
but the ceiling restricted its movement, and I was able to just deflect its strike with a wall of air I had channeled through my rod. Suddenly, its tail slammed into me from the side and knocked me away from the wall. The frontal strike had just been a distraction to force my defenses out in the wrong direction. I landed hard on my left wrist, and the shock flew up my arm to my shoulder. I would have cried out if I had the energy to do so. Somehow, the serpent had managed to strike at me again as I landed, and I had defended against it in the same way as before. This time, however, I didn't have a wall helping protect me. I followed the strike up with hammer and blows with its tail, all the way laughing in my head. Through one of the jarring hits, something in my mind cleared, and I remembered a line from the book. The story said that the snakes could be defeated with enchanted arrows, but it had to be enchanted by a spirit of nature. That wasn't me, and there was only one being I could think of that would answer my call. Time seemed to slow, and my focus increased. I deflected the blows aside instead of trying to defeat them head on. While keeping one part of my mind, the instinctual part, on the task of staying alive, the rest reached out and sought the being I hoped would answer. Queen. Queen of Brambles. Queen of Vines. Queen of the Wild Tennessee Hills. I beg you to answer. A Holloway praying to me? And it's Tiny Aggie. How interesting. I expected your sister, not you. Isn't this delightful? Please, I cannot kill this invader alone. I know you tricked us into tracking it for you. That's why you were listening. If you want it gone, bless my rod so I can slay this monster. Oh, isn't it simply divine? The brightest witch in the coven was the one dumb enough to step into my trap. I could leave you to die there and the threat of your line would be gone. The others don't have the strength you possess. Or I could give you this boon to complete my task, but in doing so, you would owe me again. The serpent seemed to pause in its assault, as though sensing our conversation, even if it couldn't tap into it. I was bleeding from the cuts when I landed in the center of the cavern, and the iron scent tinged the air. It must know its victory was near at hand. Maybe it had stopped to savor the moment, but I was grateful for the reprieve. Please, whatever you decide, I beg you do it now, Queen. I will fulfill another favor if you just bless my rod against this terror. She did not answer through words, but I felt a lightness in my hand, and the rod seemed to glow through my eldritch sight. I knew she had taken my offer. I could lose every move in this dance with the snake until the last, and that was the only one I needed to win. So as the next blow came... Finally, trying to end me in earnest, I rolled to the side just out of the way. Its head slammed off the cavern floor, stunning it for the briefest of seconds. I took that opportunity to kick out at it, and it flopped over sideways away from me. I wanted nothing more than to keep those fangs as distant as possible. In the gap I had made, I threw my rod at one of its fiery eyes, glinting from the beam of my flashlight laying forgotten on the cavern floor ten feet away. The dagger of ensorcered wood was the closest thing I had to an arrow, and the force I put behind it made it fly as fast as a bullet. It hit the snake exactly where I had aimed, and the beast reared up, hissing and spitting venom as it writhed in the cavern, 
Stalactites fell about me as it shook the walls, and several passages and offshoots from the main cave collapsed, including my way home. I curled up into a ball to protect myself as best I could from the fallen debris, and hoped the whole cave wouldn't come down on my head. Finally, the writhing snake stilled, life leaving its body. I stood up, feeling weak and lightheaded. My face bled from a dozen tiny cuts, and the ache in my wrist made it hard to concentrate. I picked up my weak flashlight and looked around me. The snake lay dead, while my way out was blocked. There was only one way forward. I had no idea if I would ever return to the surface, and the queen had me in her clutches. At least Sammy was free from her. But I knew whatever was coming next would be worse. What did I get myself into? And thus, the story is ended. The tale told. The chapter closed. Well, Dark Valiance, I hope you liked this episode. If you want to know what happens next, I guess you'll just have to stick around, won't you? Thank you for listening. If you're a fan and want to connect with us and other listeners of the show, join our community Discord server. And if you want to listen to a library of exclusive episodes, you can show your support by joining our Patreon. The links are in the description. <laughs>